Hello, and welcome to the Hope Brooklyn Weekly Sermon Podcast. Hope Brooklyn is a community of faith in Brooklyn, New York, that believes wherever you are in your spiritual journey, there's room at the table. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this week's sermon. Good morning, good morning. Good morning, Hope Brooklyn. I hate being that guy that's like, all right, class, listen up. You know, it's like, come on. No one ever liked that teacher. Hey, if I don't know you, my name is Greg, and um, I serve on staff here at Hope Brooklyn. And I always say this because it's true. If you knew anything about my past or where I grew up, if someone who knew me in like eighth grade walked in here right now, they'd be like, Greg? Um, And so I say that because it's an honor to be able to stand before you and just share this truth that I believe in my heart has redeemed my life, has rescued me, has rescued my loved ones, and I believe has rescued every person in this room. And so every chance that I get to share from this Bible and share from the inspiration I think that God has given me, it's an honor that he keeps choosing me to do it. So if I don't know you already, I'd love to talk to you after service for as long as you're willing to stick around. Uh, There's a marathon going on. Don't know if you guys knew that. Um, My wife and I drove, and it hit us as we got closer to the church. Like, is something happening? Like, (laughs) yes, Greg, the New York City Marathon that you've seen every year of your life that you've grown up in New York, but today you forget that this is happening. Um, But today's going to be exciting. We're starting a new sermon series uh, for the the month of November entitled No Shame November. Uh, I just felt that it was a, a common theme that was happening in my life and in the lives of the people around me that the enemy was wanting to inflict shame on God's people in this season. And so normally men participate in No Shave November, um, this little bit that I got just started growing in this year. Like, pandemic came around, and I was like, I'm going to try it out because I don't see nobody anyway. Let's see how much it'll grow. Um, Ryan Diaz, um, he's got his mask on right now, but um, I really don't like him, guys. Like, his beard is so strong. It's just, it's giving Jesus. It's giving apostle. Um, so no save November, like, I'm sure he participated in. But I never had to because nothing would grow anyway. Um, And so I figured, you know what, let's do No Shame November. Um, Because personally, I just got really upset at watching people that I knew who were blessed by God, who were being used by God, who were being elevated by God, um, be so downtrodden and and taken aback by shame, right? This tool that the enemy just loves to use, right, loves to try and put on us. And, And in a weird way, it kind of works sometimes, right? Like we know what Jesus has done for us. I'm sure if we pass the microphone around in this room right now, everyone has at least a two-minute story about how you got to be in this room right now, right? And if we're not careful, shame would tell us, hey, you actually don't deserve to be in this room. And partly that's true, right? Aside from Jesus, we don't deserve to be where we are in life. But sometimes the enemy does a good job at trying to convince us that, like, oh, you're not over that thing, right? Or this didn't happen in your life. And so I wanted to declare for our church, for Hope Brooklyn this month, no shame November. We're going to put it to death this month. And so I think it's going to be an awesome series. If I check my watch a lot, it's because I talk a lot. And I want to get you guys to brunch. That's my goal this morning, to get shame off of you and to get you to brunch. Um, And so I have three simple points and three simple stories that I think are really going to bless you this morning and help you to see Um, some of the traps of shame if we're not careful, yeah? So um, I'm going to pray, and uh, I think today's sermon uh, is entitled, That Was Close. That's what I thought about when I was preparing. 
this message. So I want to read very quickly a short, short verse, and then we'll pray, yeah? This verse is in Psalm 25. Um, Psalm 25, verse 3, just the beginning half. Um, the psalmist would say, no one who hopes in you, you being God, right? No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. Lord, we just pray right now, God, that as we gather in this place, as we become undone with one another and just fully trust in the moving of your Holy Spirit, God, that you would put to death shame in our lives today. God, that we would believe your words and that we would trample over what the enemy might be meaning to put us to shame, to put shame on our stories, to put shame on our lives, to put shame on our situations. God, your word says that no one who hopes in you would ever be put to shame. That's our prayer this morning. God, do what you will in Jesus' name. Church, would you say amen? Amen. Um, I think we know by now that when I get up here, I'm going to talk about one of two things, right? My wife or my kids. And it's because they teach me so much. Um, my wife uh, teaches me about television in a way um, that I did not know about before. I didn't know that in marriage, you could accidentally fall into TV shows. Um, like, I've never, I never thought I'd know so much about Kardashians in my life. Like, you could quiz me right now, and I could probably tell you what season it was, what they were going through, who was dating who. It's just, um, it's just a result of being married to someone and sharing a space with them. You watch what they watch, you eat what they eat. Um, one thing that's difficult, though, is I can't always get with the kind of TV that my, my wife watches. Like, so, like, Gilmore Girls, right? She, I'm not going to lie. Like, I like Gilmore Girls. And she's in the front, so she, she didn't hear me profess that. But, like, there are times where I walk by, my wife's watching TV, and I'm like, what's Rory doing now? Like... And I'm fully invested in who she's dating and, like, she goes to Chilton and all these things. And I'm just, like, go Yale. All these Gilmore Girl things um, that, like, my homies from where I grew up would be like, Gilmore Girls, like, what are you doing? But I've just, I've just recognized and fully accepted that it's a part of doing life with someone. You just, you, you, you are exposed to whatever they're exposed to. Um, and while I have tolerance for the Kardashians, I have tolerance for the Gilmore Girls thing. The one thing that's so difficult is that my wife loves... Um, I think I call it rescue drama. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's the like, uh, the like the 911 show, or like, and it's like you know kids are trapped in a building and the fire. And I'm like, why are you? Why, we have kids. Why do you want to watch this? This is terrible. Um, we got into a show recently called The Rookie. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that show. It's just about like this police force in in LA, and it's great, and I love it. But it's so anxiety. Like it's just like it's just so anxiety inducing. And it, it just re it reminds me of, like, watching TV as a kid. And, like, I'm like, I don't want to see if this guy clips the right wire. Is it red? Is it green? Will the bomb go off? Like, what is going to happen? And you, I don't know if you guys watched TV in the 90s like that, but, like, it got so cheesy because in every movie and in every TV show where, like, the guys, the bomb squad guys trying to figure out which wire to clip, he eventually clips the, white, the right wire, right? And then everyone lives, and hooray. And it, the reason why I hated it is because it was always followed up by the, the cheesiest line ever, right? Wipes the sweat off his brow. He goes, phew, that was close. And it's like, all right, guys, stop with the that was close line. But I get it, right? I get it now. Having grown up and been in situations like that, when you escape by that much, you almost can't even control how it automatically comes out. Phew, that was close, right? What's interesting, though, is, for me, what's, 
what's more, uh, what makes me more anxious than watching those shows is not finishing those shows. Because how did it end, right? Did he clip the right wire? Is there a part two to this episode? Does everybody die, Grey's Anatomy? I hate Grey's Anatomy, by the way. Don't watch Grey's Anatomy and love anything. They kill everything you love. Spoiler, just don't do it. So more than the few, that was close moment, there's the, well, you got to finish the story. You got to see how it ends, no matter how anxious it makes you, no matter how afraid you are to finish the story, no matter how much you want to close your eyes and peek a little bit, what's worse than watching the thing is not watching the thing. You have to finish the story. It reminded me of, uh, if you were here last week, uh, Drew was with us, man. He gave such a great message. And he spoke about the woman with the issue of bleeding. And uh, if you read it in the book of Matthew, um, it it says, just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. um, By the way, I can't think of one thing that I've done consistently for 12 years. So to, to be bleeding from whatever issue it was. And I keep looking over to Sharon because, right, she's a doctor. And I'm just like, what does someone have if they're bleeding for 12 years? It it can't be simple. It can't be comfortable, right? But it says she came up behind him, Jesus, and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. It's a big moment in the Bible because culturally, right, she should not be touching Jesus, right, because she's a woman and she's a sick woman. And so this is all the way wrong. You should not be doing this. But when I read this, uh, because Drew so inspired me, I was like, man, I've got to go back and read that story. There is something about conquering your shame to get to what you need that gives you a boldness like that. And so if if you're taking notes and you're following along, or maybe you're just like so captivated that you don't want to take notes, my first point is grab onto Jesus. Grab a hold of Jesus. There's something about shame that is shut out. It has to shut up when you grab onto Jesus. And for this woman, I wonder how difficult that might have been for her. And not just before she grabbed onto Jesus, but after, right? Because I imagine that she went back to her town and she's talking about how she's no longer bleeding. And the people who knew her were probably judging her, right? Like, weren't you just bleeding? Like, why are you so happy? Also, now you change. Now you're not bleeding no more. Yeah, actually, yes. That is what happened. Shame, right? Shame says, aren't you that person? Absolutely. I am that person. Looks a little different, right? So fresh and so clean, right? Shame wants to remind you of what you looked like. Shame is like that awkward, like, school reunion you don't want to go to. Because everyone is so comfortable with the way that they last saw you. Shame says, go back to the way that I saw you before. That's easier for me to process. Aren't you so-and-so that used to do this? And I could imagine this woman and the difficulty that it might have been to navigate what shame was wanting to continue to call her. I think so often in life, if we're not careful, God does these amazing things in our lives, things that, like, you wouldn't believe it if you told someone. And we allow shame to sneak up, almost like an annoying little assistant that's like, Hey, I don't know if you remember this, but you've got uh, a guilt meeting at 4. And at 4.30, we're going to remember all the times that you just used words that were not the right word for that context. Uh, At 5, we'll talk about the ways that you've let your family down. At 6, I think we'll go through some job interviews that you blew. Uh, At 7, we'll talk about the ways that you tripped up and down MCA steps. Let's just make it a whole night of things that you've done wrong. And if we're not careful, right, 
Shame begins to fill out our schedule, pack out our schedule with what we used to be, what we used to do, what we used to look like. When we've experienced healing, transformation, growth, we are not what we used to be. But shame would say, aren't you, aren't you this person that used to live over here and, and do that thing? I know you're that person. And, and if we're not careful, we trade in what we receive from Jesus when we grab a hold of him. And hand by hand, we grab back onto shame and go, no, you're right. I am the person that used to do this. And I did used to look at that and be this kind of person. It's this exchange that we almost don't even notice that happens. But what I love about this woman is um, not only is she bold before, she's bold to believe after. Jesus turns, right? She grabs onto Jesus. Jesus feels that power leave from him. Jesus turns, he says, take heart, daughter. Your faith has healed you. And this is my favorite line of the whole thing. And the woman was healed at that moment. That's the confusing part. Jawara, I forgot to tell you to sit. I'm so sorry. Are you okay? We're good to go. All right. Wow. I'm like, it sounds so good in here. And I'm like, if ever you want to go into like 08 Usher or whatever, do it. No one's going to notice. I just... If you want to, you can sit too. It's, it's totally fine. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. Wow. I'm so sorry. Uh-huh. It says, and the woman was healed in that moment, and that's the confusing part. That's what shame doesn't like. Shame says, no, it should have taken you five years. What do you mean you're healed in the moment? I'm not making it up. The word in the Bible says moment. In a moment, she's healed. And, sh- and shame says, no, take a little more time. No way you're different already. No way you're better. No way you're not that person. Jesus says you're healed in this moment. No class to take, no requirements. There's no $14.99 monthly subscription. In this moment is when it happens. And shame doesn't like that. And shame can be what we think about ourselves and the way that we become comfortable with ourselves. And so I truly believe that We could be healed and transformed in these moments, and we are our own shame because we can't believe that word moment, that it happened so quickly because everything else takes time, but God is no respecter of time. Jesus in this story is no respecter of the 12 years that this woman was bleeding. With all due respect to her struggle, Jesus says, it's in this moment because that's how I work. That's kingdom work, and that's what confuses the people who used to know us. They can't understand it. What do you mean you're not insecure anymore? Let me keep taking advantage of you. No, 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 no. Something happened to me in a moment, and I just can't let you talk to me like that no more. I don't know what it is, but something happened in a moment, and I just can't work here anymore. I'm so, something happened. Something happened in a moment, and I'm just not comfortable spending my time in this place anymore. That's what shame struggles with, the moment. It struggles with, wait, how did that happen so fast? And here's what I know about the woman in this story and everyone in this room right now, there are one of two responses you could have when Jesus does something in a moment in your life. Here's what I imagine. The Bible does not say this. Anyone watching online or in this room, I'm not blaspheming. I'm simply imagining with the word of God that's been given to me. I imagine that this woman goes home, right? And she's not bleeding anymore. So she probably had to go home and look at the bed that she left from that morning and be face-to-face with what was just her recent past and what God did in a moment. So she's got to change some bedding. 
right? Probably even throw it out. She's probably got equipment and tools that helped her for these last 12 years that she now has to adjust and say, well, there was a change. God changed something in me. I can no longer live this life the way that I used to. Shane would say, no, leave it. You'll be back. You'll be bleeding again, right? You'll be blank again, whatever your story is. But when you grab onto Jesus, there's a confidence that says, no, something happened. So I'm going to get rid of all these tools, these, this equipment. The life that I set up for myself when I was living in this shame, it's got to go. And I imagine that after she changed her bedding, she probably visited a few friends like, am I tripping or am I not bleeding no more? Like, is this, is this me, right? She probably had to, I don't know about you guys, I call all my friends. They hate me. Um, it's like clockwork. And um, she probably had some moments where she had to readjust the life around her so that shame could not shame her anymore. And so I was looking at the verse and I was thinking, man, I wonder if there was a moment where she was like lying in bed. And she, she realized just how close it was. It, it could have been, right? Oh, God, I'm still bleeding. I was so close, right? Instead, she was probably laying there thinking, phew, I almost missed Jesus. That was close. If you don't finish her story, right, if you cut the show off because it's too, right, you miss that this woman gets healing and her whole life is changed now. Her story goes from, oh, I was so close to not dealing with that thing anymore. And I imagine she laid in bed that night, was bold, conquered her fears, conquered what society said you could be killed over, conquered what Shane was telling her about her situation, right? Why aren't you better by now? It's been 12 years. Conquered all of that. She's probably laying in bed like, whoo. That was almost 13 years. That was close. Ooh, that was close. Clipped the right wire right in time. Jesus had a traveling ministry. She probably wouldn't have seen him again. 12 years? Ooh, that was close. And I can't imagine how many stories in this room looks like this woman. Maybe it's five years. Maybe it's five months. It's been a long year. Somebody today needs to grab onto Jesus. Don't miss your moment. Don't lay in your bed thinking, oh, I was so close. Just missed it. Instead, let your rejoicing be, woo, so glad I grabbed onto Jesus because I almost didn't. And that was close. There's another story in the Bible similar to this. And Oh, it's dirty. It's nasty and scandalous. Nasty and scandalous, but I love it. I love reading the Bible because it lets me know I'm not alone. I'm not the only one with a past. I'm not the only one that shame is trying to bring down. And that I belong here with you guys rejoicing about a Jesus that redeemed us from that life. But this girl was nasty. And uh, this is the story of when Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman. Nick, I'm all over the place. I'm sorry about the verses and stuff. Nick's like, I got it. <laughs> If you guys don't know Nick, Nick is amazing, by the way. Uh, joined the church, just said, hey, I know how to do these things. I want to help. So, Nick, thank you so much. I appreciate you, bro. Uh, yeah, so this, this woman, uh, Jesus is slick, man, because if you know anything about the Bible, Jews just didn't even travel through the way he did. And the way he wound up speaking to this Samaritan woman at a well. Historically, Jews don't even speak to Samaritans. And so right off the bat, this story is scandalous. It's nasty. Uh, and I'm going to paraphrase because it, it's, a, it's a lot. Um, you don't have to do that. Jump down to verse 17, Nick. But I'm going to paraphrase. Jesus finds himself uh, at a well. It's Jacob's well that was built 
eons ago. He finds this woman there. The Bible notes that this woman uh, is at the well at a time where if you translated it to our time, it would be noon. And forgive me if I'm mansplaining, but like I don't do nothing at noon when the sun is out because it's hot. That's the hottest point of the day. And so some scholars believe that she, she came at noon to avoid seeing some folks, to avoid seeing like the other ladies who came to fetch water. Because, I mean, if, if we're going to unpack the story. Some of you already know it, but if you were her, you wouldn't want to be around the gossip girls either because, you know, she was getting around. I'm trying to find a church way to say this. All the hood words are coming to mind. I'm like, no, can't say that. Um, she was getting around, as the old folks would say. She been around the world and I, I, I. And so Jesus finds her here. And this is what I love about Jesus, because if we're not careful, we encounter Jesus and we think that he's trying to expose us, trying to call us out. And instead, oh, Greg, don't mess it up. Let me just, this, watch this. Um, Jesus says to her, right, yo, go get your husband, go get your man, right? You fetching water, where your boo at? She goes, in verse 17, I have no husband. Um, Jesus says, right, you're right when you say you don't have no husband. The fact is you've had five. Oh, no, you didn't. <clears throat> um, and the man you have now is not your husband. And if, we're, if we read that through a TMZ lens, right, through a love and hip-hop lens, it could look like Jesus is trying to be messy. And so I'm wrestling with this verse like, God, you're supposed to be good. I thought you were mercy for your loving kindness that's better than life what is this this looks like you spilling tea and then i read it again and i realized jesus wanted to address the shame let's get it out the way now i know you don't got one husband you got five and you sleeping with another dude but now that that's out of the way let me tell you about living water if you read that chapter that's what it's about he's at a well with this woman and shout out to jesus because he knows about setup he's like i'm gonna talk to you about living water at a well he tells this woman I have water that if you fetch it, you'll never be thirsty again. And, and instead of tripping about her past, she goes, well, tell me where this water's at. It's no longer about the dude she slept with, right? It's about this living water. Now they're talking about the Messiah, right? Verse 25, the woman says, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Verse 26, then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Two little verses to talk about what she's been through. The rest is about her redemption. Jesus goes, go get your husband. She goes, I don't have no husband. Trying to be slick. He goes, I know, sis, you got five. Nasty. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> but Jesus says, hey, real quick, I can't get you to where you need to go. I can't deliver you. I can't heal you. I can't prosper you or elevate you until we get this little shame out the way first. I know what you've been up to. I still want to talk to you about living water. And I don't know who that's for in this room. God is trying to do something in your relationship with him, in your life. And you think that him bringing things up is to expose you and shame you. And instead, God is saying, no, no, I just want to get this out the way first. You know what it reminds me of? When I was a kid, me and my brother would eat uh, dinner at the dinner table with the rest of our thousand siblings. And um, my little brother would always be the last one at the table because he would be the last one eating his vegetables. And we used to have a system, right? Like, he passed me his veggies, and I'd eat them. And eventually, it's like, man, I'm sick of this, bro. Eat your own vegetables. I'm not doing this, right? You're not going to use me? I got enough iron, bro. <laughs> My poop is hard. Um, TMI. 
It's my wife. She's up there. Um, and so I had to, one day, like, I, I just, I little bro him. I'm like, listen, bro, let me help you out. Eat the veggies first. Get that out the way. Then you can enjoy the chicken and the rice. But it's like, get the veggies, get the hard part out the way. And that's what Jesus is doing at this well. He's like, yo, there's so much I want to tell you. I don't think Jesus could have told her a better thing than I am he. What? Wake up in the morning and I, I look at the weather, I look at my calendar, and nowhere on my calendar says I am going to meet the Messiah in my everyday things. And she probably did not anticipate that either. But if she was caught up in what shame was telling her about who she was and who she had been, she misses out. Jesus had not revealed to anyone that he was the Messiah. He reveals it to this woman at a well. If she's not careful, she doesn't get that moment if she's tripping off of, dang, Jesus just exposed me. No, he just wanted to get the shame out of the way. Let's move. The, uh, if you knew who I was, you wouldn't even be true. We're going to get to that. That's fine. I am he. Somebody in this room's situation needs to collide with I am he. With whatever you're going through right now. Don't let shame keep you from the revelation that Jesus has for you in your relationship with him. My second point is grab onto others. Which, if you don't know this story, probably sounds random, but check this out. Verse 39 says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. You see where I'm going? This is what she said when she gets back to her town. I imagine her as like this Puerto Rican from the Bronx. She's like, he had told me everything I ever did. <laughs> so when the Samaritans came to him, right, because they like, you talking about Keisha? From Samaritan? So the Samaritans came to him, and they urged him to stay, right? Like, if you gave hope to Keisha, that's not her name, by the way. I don't know her name. If you gave hope to Keisha with the five husbands and the other dude she's sleeping with, we got to know who you are. Tell us about this living water, too. So Jesus stays with them, right? Verse 41, and because of his words, many more became believers. They said to Keisha, watch this, they said, we no longer believe just because of what you said, Keisha from around the block. Now we've heard ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. There's an entire group of people, if you would dare to let go of your shame, that will come to know Jesus. They're, this whole town, right, if this, if this Samaritan woman is not careful, and she lets shame dictate her story, she never goes back to her... Do you know how hard it is to go back to where you grew up from and say, I'm different? They're like, no, you ain't. It's just Christmas time. No, I promise. I'm not like the way I was before. Something happened. Sure. Guys, I, if I go to Bedside right now, even now they kind of make fun of me. They're like, oh, family guy. Because we have like the Highlanders got all the car seats in it. And they're like, give us a word, Jesus boy. I'm like, guys, I don't know what to tell you. But hey, all right, since you know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's weird, right? Because, like, we used to run around, like, stealing bikes and, like, kicking crack needles across the park. And they can't believe, like, yo, what happened to you? And if I'm not careful, right, if I'm ashamed, if I don't really believe that transformation happens, they don't call me Jesus boy. Right? Because what they don't say is, like, in the DMs and in the text messages, it's like, yo, bro, it's so good seeing you. By the way, what's that church you said you be going? If I'm not careful, right, 
I let shame say, Greg, you still no different. Your Sundays just look different. And so I'm wondering if somebody in this room is inspired by the boldness that it takes to go back to where the people know you, to go back to where the last time shame saw you, and to boldly say, I met a man today. He told me everything I did, but that wasn't even the topic of the conversation. Let me talk to you about living water. Let me talk to you about what it means to live eternal. Let me talk to you about what what it means to have life and life abundantly. What? The two eat? Yes. (laughs) Tell me about that. If we're not careful, we don't go back to the spaces where shame used to know us. Because shame is familiar. Heck, shame was with us (laughs) with the five husbands. If we're not careful, a whole host of people don't know Jesus because of our fear of going back to say what happened in a moment. I got one more story. Jawar, you're fired. Jawar's never serving again. Um, Jawar lives too close. I'll knock on his door. Yo, bro. Um, it's this verse in Luke, and um, it's not a secret that I get emotional. So if tears happen, whatever. Y'all know me by now. Jesus is being crucified at this point. At this point, he's done everything that he knows how to do, everything he was told to do, and he's being crucified. And um, to the left of him and to the right of him are two criminals, and they're also being crucified. We don't know their crimes. We just know whatever it was, they're being crucified in the way that Jesus was being crucified. Um, And it says, two other men, both criminals, were also let out with him to be executed being Jesus. When they came to the place called Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals on his right, the other on his left. See, I didn't lie. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insult at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. That's shame. Right? Oh, I thought you, what do you mean you depressed? I thought you were saved and you go to church. That's shame. That's what shame does. Shame is constantly trying to disprove of what we know God did. What you mean you don't like your job? Didn't you ask everybody to pray that you would get that job? That's shame. Shame wants you to think that the emotions that God knit knit you together with are unacceptable. So this, this criminal on a cross with Jesus, right? It's like, dude, I don't know if you're the person to be talking right now. You are also being crucified. But he's hurling, he's hurling these insults at Jesus. Aren't you Jesus? Get yourself out of this. But the other criminal rebuked him. He said, don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly. For we, right, us criminals, we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. The other criminal had such a revelation of who Jesus was and how they were all in the same place and was still able to grab onto Jesus. I don't, we don't know. There's like, there's like um, scholars and uh, commentary of people who like say what they think was going on in this moment. But all we know is that there are two criminals. One of them wants to shame Jesus. Weren't you just... Didn't you just heal Shorty with the blood? Get yourself off this cross, sir. But the other criminal 
He's like, are you tripping? This is the Messiah. If you knew better, you do better, right? Check out what Jesus says. Well, first the criminal, right? He sticks up for Jesus, right? He goes, he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered, you ready? This criminal didn't take a how to be Christian class 101. He didn't do uh, any community service. He didn't give to the church center app. He did not pray 10 Hail Marys. Jesus' instant response to him is, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. My last point is grab onto grace. Grab onto grace. I don't know what your past, I don't know what shame, I don't know what your relatives, what your friends are telling you about shame, about what Jesus wants to do in your life. My Bible, this Bible, and Nick, yeah, if you could get the scripture up there, because I don't want you guys to think that I'm making this up for sensation. Jesus literally turns to him and says, today you will be with me in paradise. And if the thief is not careful, right? Not gonna cry. If the thief is more worried about how he got on the cross, then who's next to him on the cross? Woo! That was close. Right? It don't get no closer than death. He could have died and spent an eternity without Jesus. You want to talk about that was close? Somebody in this room is close. And if you don't grab onto grace because of the cross that you're on right now, eternity, peace, healing, transformation is on the other side of your boldness if you would grab onto grace. If it sounds too good to be true, it's because it is. It is. I wrestle with it every day. I promise you. Oh, my God, I promise you. I wake up some mornings. I look at my healthy wife. I look at my healthy kids. And I'm like, ain't no way. Ain't no way this mine. It just ain't no way. And if I'm not careful, if I, if I let too many bad days build up, if I'm talking to the wrong people, I can let shame rob me of being this close to Jesus, this close to grace. I'm living in grace right now. At best, I should have been bagging groceries. I'm not going to lie to you. At best. And I'm here talking to y'all about grace? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. This is my prayer, and then we'll go into communion in a second. With whatever you guys are going through, whatever it looks like, I don't want to minimize it. Because I know, I know what it's like to be sitting in a room and all hell be breaking loose in your life. I know that light. I know what it's like to get a bad diagnosis. I know what it's like um, to get a letter in the mail and, and the color of that letter is orange or bold pink. Um, I know what it's like to sit in church and pretend like nothing's going on. Here's what I won't do. Because I want to enjoy brunch later. With no guilt and no shame. I won't let you guys walk out with so we'll get to communion, but I want to take two minutes. Close your eyes if you want to. Take a moment. I'm serious. Don't just like do that thing where it's like, oh, Greg's doing that moment in service. No. Oh, grab onto this moment. 
hey, what's it going to take for you to grab on of grace? What do you need to believe? What do you need to let go of to believe that the God of the universe actually wants to heal you, actually wants to see you do better? Here's what I know. Man, it could feel like he's trying to hurt you, expose you. God, why are you bring that thing up again? Oh, I believe in my heart of hearts. He just wants to get it out the way. I promise you. He just wants to get it out the way. There's living water on the other side of this moment. I'm okay if the moment doesn't even happen here, wherever it happens for you. For the Samaritan woman, it happened at a well. She was not expecting it. It may happen on your commute home. It may happen when you get home or sometime during the week. My prayer for you, though, is that you would not be laying in bed one night and go, dang it, I was so close. And that instead, right, instead, you would grab onto Jesus and your story would be, woo! I'm so glad I didn't, I'm so glad I didn't back down. I'm so glad I grabbed onto Jesus because, man, that was close. Come on, bow your heads. I want to pray for us. God, we don't want to get so close and miss you completely. We don't want to come to church and worship and pass the peace and then not be so bold to grab onto you, God. We see in your scriptures, Lord, three stories full of shame. God, but each time in every story, those main characters encounter you and they're forever changed. Their circles are forever changed. Their trajectories forever changed. God, what we notice is that there are no barriers between you and these people when you encounter them. Some of them you should not even even been encountering, God. Holy Spirit, I wonder if you would come and bring boldness to us today. Or for some of us, we need faith, God. Faith to believe that that's really you. Right? Sometimes we confuse shame with God's rebuke, but my, my Bible says that it's his gentle rebuke. One of God is if God is seemingly unearthing things in your life and it's uncomfortable, I want to encourage you. It may be that He just wants to get it out the way, get you to the other side. I want to encourage you, like much like the woman with the issue of blood, everything about society says that she should not have touched Jesus. And I wonder if you're in this service today, and something about society is telling you you can't touch Jesus. Maybe it's what you believe about sexuality. Maybe that's what you're dealing with, or or politics. Um, or the way you were raised. My hope today is that you would not let what society says keep you from grabbing Jesus. Right? We just read a story of a woman who trumped all of that to grab onto Jesus. Stops bleeding. Her story changes forever. If that's you in this service today, grab onto Jesus. Who cares what society says? They're changing it every year anyway. Is there no Pluto is no longer a planet? Grab onto Jesus. They're going to keep changing what's right anyway. Grab on to Jesus. Don't get this close and not grab on to Jesus. Hey, if your story is like the thief on the cross and you feel like it's too late, that man was about to lose his life inches away from death and decides, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to grab on to Jesus. In a moment, Jesus says, hey, you're going to be with me in paradise today. Today? Today. Can I pack a bag? Today we're going to paradise. And for somebody in this room, 
the word over your life is today. God wants to do it today. If you just recognize that he's that close. That criminal probably woke up that morning, knew he was being crucified, right? It was on the docket. Hey, bro, today's your day. And probably didn't ever think he'd be next to Jesus. But when he realized that he was next to the Messiah, he opens his mouth and says, yo, this is the Messiah. And Jesus' response is, you're going to be in paradise today. That's my prayer for somebody in this room. Get it today. Don't wait. Get it today. No requirements necessary. No down payment. 0% APR. Grab it today, Jesus wants to do it. Today.